Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Kombucha and Color. Today it's me and Shay. And something we wanted to talk about today was the topic of fear. I think if I remember correctly, we have spoken about fear before, but it could have been possibly even in our very first 10 episodes, which we recorded, was it like three years ago now, Shay? Yeah, something like that. Maybe three years ago. So we are both totally different people now. So it's definitely time to revisit, I think, the topic of fear. How this has come up for me recently is that I've been doing a lot of meditations. I've been, I shared in a previous episode that I've been doing a lot of the Joe Dispenza meditations, which is actually something I used to do a lot of when we first started recording. And I've been coming back to them now. And one of the things that the meditations ask you to do is to let go of an emotion or to let go of a way of being that is sort of holding you back or limiting you. And you know what, when I did the meditation, I just sat down and I turned it on. I didn't do any pre-prep work, like what is the emotion going to be that I'm going to let go of or anything, but I just sat into the meditation. I thought I'll just let whatever comes, comes, because I I couldn't even remember what the meditation was like because I hadn't done it for a while. And the thing that came up for me was fear. And I have been identifying with fear quite a lot recently moving through the chronic fatigue that I've been experiencing because there is a lot of fear that comes up when you are chronically ill. I think there can be, you know, a lot of fear of doing too much and then falling ill again, fear of going backwards, fear of never being well. It can really take control of your life and really put in some cases, I guess, necessary limitations and in some cases, unnecessary limitations on your life. And it was something that I just felt like I wanted to think about a little bit more and to explore a little bit more. So I'm letting go of fear when it's unnecessary. I do believe it's something necessary and we need to experience from time to time. And as I've been doing these meditations, I've done consistently now the past nine days, and it's about an hour of meditation. So it's quite a long, quite a deep one. And it's just been really interesting for me to observe what's been coming up through the meditations and what's shifting in my awareness in relation to fear. But then also how I think I'm just deepening my understanding of this emotion and how I relate to this emotion and thinking about different times in my life and different fears that I may still be holding in my body. Um, And it's just been a very interesting, I guess, opportunity of exploration around this topic of fear for me personally. So I contacted Shay and I said to her, let's talk about this a little bit on the show as as Shay's obviously now moving into or moving towards 
the end of her pregnancy, there's going to be a lot of changes coming up and maybe also fears or not around the labor process. And I thought maybe she'd also have her own insights, obviously coming from a completely different perspective, but still very valid in relation to fear. So that's kind of what we're going to dive into today and sort of see where the conversation takes us. Mm. And I think fear is such an interesting topic at the moment for us globally because of this pandemic that we're in. Like, it's been interesting to watch how the general feeling of fear, like when this whole COVID broke out at the beginning, like there was a lot of fear. Like, and for some people, that fear um, is still really dialed up, as it should be if you're in a, a specialized group or if you're in a group that's more high risk. But it's also interesting how we have normalized or how we have desensitized ourselves to this fear. And I think like one of the, not the benefits of fear, but one of the purposes and functions of fear is to keep us safe, is to keep us like from doing something that is going to create more harm or disruption in the body or the nervous system or something like that. So I think it's useful to also look at both sides of the spectrum so that we can get a full understanding of it and, and understand why fear might be purposeful for us in some in some aspects. So what has come up for you mainly in terms of how you release fear, or what it looks like to live without fear? So I'm still working on living without fear, but um, <laughs> what I, what's come up for me, I was, I was thinking about, you know, we often talk about the stress response, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And I was thinking about stress because often clients will say things to me like, oh, this, this, and this happened. It was so stressful. And I think we can often almost like wash over our emotions and use stress as a blanket term sometimes. It was stressful. It was such a stressful situation. It's been such a stressful week. That was a really stressful time. And in doing so, I feel like we don't actually acknowledge what was really going on and what did I make it mean? I think we've possibly talked about this on the show before, but some really helpful questions are what happened and what did I make it mean? And then if you want to explore other meanings, you could ask what else could this mean? And I was thinking a little bit about the stress response, this fight, flight or freeze. And you know, I guess when we have a, a necessary fear response, I know you've talked about it, you know, sometimes we, we need fear and sometimes, you know, fear can be unhelpful if it's stuck in the body or if it's just running on this unhelpful loop. But when we have a necessary fear response, it's so we can run away from danger or so we can stand up and assert ourselves, you know, maybe that's verbally, you know, that would be more of what I would call a fight response. So in our daily lives, I almost feel like like where stress or fear could be most damaging. And this is, this is just my own theory and I could be totally wrong in terms of the, the philosophy around this, but where I feel it's almost the most damaging is when we are in freeze because it implies that there is some stuckness and how I relate to this is like, you know, all those times when you didn't speak up for yourself, that that was a frozen response in the body. All those times uh, that you didn't get out of a situation that was making you really uncomfortable or making you feel unsafe, that's a you know, freeze response or stuck fear response in the body. So this is what has been coming up for me is that often we think of stress as like, 
the bills you've got to pay and the mortgage and, you know, having a lot of pressure at work and feeling a lot of overwhelmed. And yes, those things are totally stressful. We, From an evolutionary perspective, we've not caught up with that and we've not been able to really understand what all of that, how to conceptualize that within the, the biology that we have, which is a bit outdated. But Often we don't acknowledge how stressful it is to not speak our truth, to stay in situations that are against our values or to not put boundaries in place. And this is what's been coming up for me over the past, you know, through my meditations. It's been really interesting. It's been like I started these meditations and it's like all these little memories have just been coming up and I've been having these dreams where I've been stuck or trying to get away and I can't get away. And it's just been very interesting how through doing these meditations, I've invited more of my unconscious to kind of come up and bubble to the surface. But one of the things the meditation asks you to do is it's like, how do you feel this emotion in your body? And I think this is what led me to the stuckness piece was that it feels stuck in my body. It feels like a stuckness. It feels like a stagnation. Yes, there can be that little bit of anxiety. I guess most people would also associate with fear, but it's still this very much this feeling of stuckness. And it's almost like all this unprocessed fear that's like hanging out in my body. And and we've talked about this before we referenced Bessel van der Kolk and the body keeps the score and how we can hold all this unprocessed trauma in our body, which needs to be released. So I've just been thinking, thinking a lot about that and thinking about, like, I guess all the little things have that have shaped this accumulation of fear over time. And then how that has also shaped my nervous system to be conditioned to fear as it's like baseline state. Tony Robbins talks about the two biggest fears are that we are not enough. And if we are not enough, we will not be loved. And this relates back to this primal need for us to be part of a tribe, because if we're part of a tribe, we're safer as a community. If you out on your own in the wild, trying to fend off wild animals, the chances of survival are much lower. So our survival from an evolutionary perspective depends on us being accepted as part of a tribe. And if we're not enough and if we're not loved, there can be this risk of rejection. So I guess throughout life, we're creating these behaviors, but we're dialing up the parts of ourselves that are deemed attractive and acceptable and lovable. And we dial down other parts of ourselves for fear of rejection or losing love or this primal fear of not being accepted into the tribe, whatever that may be. And I guess the contradiction there is that by not being who we really are, we have, that's very stressful. That's very fearful as well, because I think that we're constantly holding on to this way of being, feeling like we're working against ourselves, but also too afraid to express that part of ourselves. So because we're not expressing it, we're never actually facing that fear. So uh, this probably sounds like a bit of a ramble at this point in time, but I was just thinking how all of that shaped so much of my conditioning, which got me to a point where almost this heightened nervous system response, shall we call it, was like a baseline for me. And I think one of the most challenging things for me now, slowing down, has just been this 
feeling like this is so wrong. Like this just feels weird because my conditioning for the you know past 30 years has been the opposite. And what I've really been working on through my meditations is creating this grounded feeling, this secure feeling, this safe feeling, this trusting feeling, this loving feeling as my set point so that when I'm moving out of it in the day, it's much more noticeable and I can kind of adjust my behavior or adjust my thinking to keep myself in, I guess, more of a healing space than a overreaching, overextending space. So I hope that wasn't too rambly. <laughs> oh, there's so much to dive into on this. Like, let's, I just, let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's <laughs> jump in. I just want to offer you another, I guess, an analogy story. And I can't remember if I've shared it on this podcast before, if I just told Anna in personal conversation. But this is a, a obviously a pregnancy lens look at this idea of stuckness and fear being held in the body. And Ina Mae Gaskin, who's one of the midwives to midwives, she's like written so many books on spiritual midwifery and she's like a big name in this pregnancy world. And she runs a birthing center out in America and she has amazing rates of just absolute natural birth. And it's just very much attuning to the woman and the woman's needs who's in labor. And in one of her books, she had the story of a woman who was in labor and labor was progressing, progressing. Everything was going fine, everything smoothly. And they got to a certain point in the labor and everything just stopped. Everything just stopped. And the conditions hadn't changed, nothing had changed. And everything just came to this grinding, stuck, halted, stalled state. And they tried everything. They tried changing her physical position. They tried changing all these things, giving her all these different things to try and keep the labor progressing. And eventually, Anime said to her, what's on your mind? And this woman was like so baffled, like, what on earth are you asking me this for? Because I'm trying to have a baby here. Can you not see I'm trying to like get this baby out of my body? And again, she said, no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I just want to get this baby out. Like nothing's happening and it's not moving. And again, she said, I just want to know, what are you worried about? What, what are you scared of right now? And this woman like completely was blindsided by it, but she was like, well, I have no other choice but to answer this question. And she really took time for her to, to get past the layers of what she thought it was. You know, the baby's not coming and this is what I'm scared of. And what it came up was that she was so completely fearful that once she had this baby, that her partner would leave her and that she would be alone. And once she had spoke or recognized that, first of all, recognized the fear that was sitting deep within her nervous system that she actually had no conscious connection to, when she recognized that fear and when she had spoken it out loud, the baby was born in 20 minutes. And it had been like hours and hours of the stuckness. And for me, it's just like this incredible connection to how we hold this fear in the physical body. And it's so unconscious, it's so or subconscious that we're not aware of it. And so I think that's just a really good explanation or example of what you're saying in a very tangible way that how we can hold on to these things that actually trip up the body in some way. So I thought that was a really interesting parallel to what you were saying. Yeah, there's so much to dive into this on. And I think in my experience, obviously with moving through labor and moving through this journey. I met with a friend of mine the other day who's also pregnant and we're just talking about labor and birth and everything. And I was like, I'm actually really excited. Like I'm, I, I feel like really excited for the process of birth and the process of labor. 
And her experience was completely opposite. She was like, I'm actually quite, I'm actually very anxious. I'm very fearful of it. And I've come a long way because I just wanted to go and have a cesarean. But now she's actually thinking maybe she can do it. And I was just, I came back from that conversation. I was like, I, what is it that has made me feel like I'm not afraid of this? Because I think as you have kind of mentioned that we can carry a lot of this fear from things that have happened in our past and things that are subconsciously handed down to us through generations or things that we're not aware of over years or through parenting or through just life that happens. And I would say that my mom with me did not have a very easy birth. It was actually probably, I think, quite traumatic if you look back at it from too much too soon as being the definition of a trauma. and. I was like, you know, technically I should have that feeling around birth, but what I've done is like really understood everything. So there's a, there's a piece on information. And I think that's really where like a lot of useful, if you are feeling like there's something that's quite scary or overwhelming, like what information, what understanding, what deep knowing can I have about the situation that takes away some of the unknown? And then also really clearly being able to label or vocalize or verbalize those fears and I have just finished the six-week creative current course that I've been sharing with people online and via zoom and one of the topics that we have actually dived into in the earlier weeks was this entire concept of fear because fear keeps us stuck and it's that stagnation which blocks the flow of energy which is the flow of creativity which is the flow of life force and one of the practices that I got everybody to do was we have a fear of someone telling us that we can't do something. And I, I use creativity as a lens for people to understand this, but really it's so much bigger than that because the things that stop us from being creative are the things that stop us in our regular lives from doing the things that we could access our fullest or highest potential. And so I got them to write down somebody that they would feel like criticizes them or that makes them feel fearful of doing something. And once you have taken out that fear, everyone's going to laugh at me. Everyone's going to think that I'm not good enough. Everybody's going to think that my I can't be an artist or somebody said this to me once or all these little fears. And if you can take those, label them or recognize them, label them and personify them into a way that actually makes it, when you put it on paper, it's this thing that you have had in your subconscious that feels so big, that feels like such a huge shadow, that feels like such a big overwhelming thing and when you can put it out onto a piece of paper or speak it out loud suddenly it reduces that fear so much that you actually look at it and go oh was this was this the thing that i was afraid of and more often than not the thing that you're afraid of is exactly the same thing that the person next to you is afraid of is exactly the same thing as the person next to them is afraid of and i think that is what boils down to that tony robbins is like at the end of the day it comes down to I'm not good enough and I won't be loved. And if you reduce it, reduce it, reduce it, that's where you end up. And that's very connecting when you all feel like you end up in the same place as well. So I think there's there's real value in being able to speak out the fears that we have. Yeah. I'd also just like to add on to that from my coaching perspective as well. It's like very often clients will say, like you said, everybody's going to laugh at me or nobody will love me or, you know, they'll use that kind of, I think it's called a universal quantifier stance, corrected on that. But sometimes it also just comes to, it's, it's actually when you dig a little bit deeper, it's 
it's just what my mom's going to think of me, or it's just what my dad's going to think of me, or it's just what my partner's going to think of me, or it's just what my best friend is going to think of me. And I think I love that idea of like reducing it down and realizing, oh, it's only this. And there's like all these other people who probably would support me and have my back or whatever, putting things into perspective, I think can be such a, such a valuable part of facing fears. Mm. Strangely enough, I was sitting on the platform waiting to come back from a client this morning and this book that I'm reading called Blessed Are the Weird, it had this entire paragraph on fear and tribe and our ability to belong. So I just want to, um, you know, I was like, and this, this book has been so aligning for me. I've absolutely loved it. I, I mentioned in the last episode this morning, I was doing some journaling and then opened the page and I was like, oh my gosh, this is literally exactly what I've just been journaling about. Um, but anyway, I want to read this to you. Those of us who feel a great need to live out some truth that leads us off the beaten path need to remember that we trigger the fear of being wrong in others as we do this. It is a flip side of the coin from our fears of being persecuted for contradicting the wisdom of the herd. Now we can see another ancient fear in play, being wrong. Being wrong used to mean a number of bad things, ostracism, banishment, injury, getting lost and death. In primitive survival situations, getting it right was a life or death proposition. Early humans couldn't afford to be wrong. They lived on the razor's edge of existence all the time. Getting it wrong often meant getting dead very quickly at the hands of nature or other people. We have the luxury of being wrong now because we have developed safety nets to catch us if our wrongness turns out to have any consequences in real life. In most cases, being wrong means almost nothing now. However, when we live in some way that opposes the common agreement, we trigger fear in those who are not invested in keeping status quo beliefs, ideas, practices, and attitudes intact. It makes no rational sense why they should get riled, but they do because our very ability to live outside the lines freaks them out. It's not supposed to work that way, and it might mean that they are wrong. If they are wrong about one thing, then maybe they are wrong about everything, and that thought is too terrifying for most who follow conventional wisdom to consider. And then it's just, it goes on about, about just fear. And I think what, the, what that brought up for me was also was this idea of the Black Lives Matter movement, because suddenly there's this, this awareness or this consciousness of things outside of the status quo. And there's a lot of people who feel challenged by that and feel that this is like, really like, oh, this is something that's different and something that's outside the lines and it challenges their beliefs on everything. And I think what he's saying in this book is that once we really establish that sense of truth within ourselves and we feel grounded in our nervous systems, we can stand outside the lines and not feel like we are shaken. And I think that's why it's it's felt okay and it felt good and it felt right for for us to stand out, outside those status quo things and say, actually, I need to take a stand on this because it's my responsibility here, not because of a duty, but because it feels uncomfortable not to. So I think that's also an interesting thing about, about this journey and where fear can take us and how it can guide us to something else. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking there about in a conversation I had with a client this week and we were talking about self-worth and she's like, how do I work on my self-worth? And I was like, that's actually a really good question because how do you 
work on your self-worth? How practically do you work on your self-worth? And in the context of this conversation, it was very much around her worth was tied to success in business, success in her career, things she did for her family members, etc., I, I, you know, I said to her, you know, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I can only think about what's worked for me. And I feel that my self-worth has increased, not by, you know, people say, oh, you, you have to know yourself to love yourself. I think it's about being able to feel yourself and you feel yourself when you are connected to yourself and when you have those practices that ground you that calm your nervous system, that create a sense of safety, that create a sense of trust. And I know like when I'm in meditation or when I've finished a yoga practice or when I've done some breath work or something like that, those practices really connect me to me. And then I know I feel less fearful. I know I feel less fearful of, you know, things I want to do in my business or things I want to, you know, try that I've never tried before, or I can dream bigger, I can think bigger. And I really believe that's because in those moments, I'm the most connected to my worth. And where this links into the passions that you read and how you were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement is I believe that it's like when you can stand in your worth and feel that sense of internal safety, that, that you aren't threatened by other opinions, other ideas, by feedback, or, you know, anything else that's coming externally, but you can really feel validated in yourself for just who you are. Mm, absolutely. And I think also I agree with you on the feeling of feeling yourself is what connects you to self-worth. And I also think it's about seeing yourself. And I think this is about seeing yourself in all facets and all parts of your being, because it's easy for us to feel that sense of self-worth or validation when we can look at the shiny, beautiful parts of us and go, I'm great and amazing at all these things. But when we can say, actually, this is a part of my personality that I am quite judgmental or I am quite critical or I have these different parts of me and I'm human and it's okay and have some compassion for myself. And I think this goes back to the same idea of the fear. When you can label and recognize those things within yourself, actually their power and grip over you lessens considerably. So the more that you can recognize this, you know, if you're walking down the street and you have this thought that comes up about somebody that's walking past you and you're going, oh, let me take a moment. That was judgment that came up here for me. Once you recognize that, it's no longer a big thing in your world. It starts to lessen and lessen because it's like you are shining a light on it. And it's like, it's no longer, it's not that it's not there, but it's, it lessens and lessens the more you do it, the more you're aware of it. So I think seeing yourself with compassion is another huge part of developing that sense of worthiness. And, and, you know, Brene Brown's work on shame is all about that because the parts of us that we wish to keep hidden are often the parts that we feel ashamed or feel that are connected to some aspects of things that we don't want to show or don't want to share and the shame around that. But when we can let those be seen and recognize that actually it's very human and it's very much part of just this experience of living here on this earth, like that's power in itself. Yeah. And I think that that circles back to this idea of wanting to be loved and wanting to be good enough. The reason why we keep those parts hidden is because we think if we show them to the world, we'll be rejected. And sometimes just putting them out there to the world in front of the right people 
I think, you know, it's always best to reveal shame in a safe environment with people that you feel safe with. But when you do that and you realize you're still loved, that's how we we build our worth as well. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted actually just to circle back around to this idea of fear being helpful as, as keeping us safe, because I think it's really important for us to discern the nuances with that, because I think that there's sometimes I'm thinking more here now through a coaching lens when people are like pushing themselves towards towards goals and they're things that they're wanting to do and achieve and it's kind of like a very goal orientated approach. And, you know, as we're expanding and as we're moving towards growing ourselves or expanding our world, with that, there will also come more change and change, you know, whether it's chosen change or change that's chosen for us is still potentially a threat because it's something new. It's something different. It's something that could potentially be more stressful because it, it requires I guess, unaccessed programming in order to deal with. And so I guess for me, I'll use a personal example, is there was a time in my business where I wanted to like push and I wanted to grow and I wanted to achieve more. And it was just like not working for me <laughs> at all. And I, and obviously that was very frustrating at the time, but I can see now is because like it wasn't safe for me to be growing at that point in time. My body needed rest. My nervous system needed to be calm and to feel safe so that it could process what it needed to process before I was ready to move to the next level. And so I think this is where sometimes people, you know, we talked about self-compassion and um, being able to be, see yourself. And sometimes this is where it can be really helpful instead of going, you're not doing it. You're not working hard enough. You're sabotaging yourself. Can't believe you. You're stuck in this. You're stuck in this loop da, 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 to go just push harder. But understanding that that just pushing harder is not always what is required. And this is where it's the more we, I guess, are able to connect to ourselves and give ourselves what we need and actually have those practices built into life, things should be able to move forward in, in a pace which has more of that flow of energy and flow of that creativity that you spoke to. But when we don't have those, I call them calibration, recalibration practices, where we're recalibrating the nervous system back to a a place of safety, it's difficult if you are very achiever oriented like myself to continue to grow because you block you can block your own flow of energy. So I think being able to tune into do I actually just need more rest now? Do I actually just need more calm and safety and restoration before I move forward? It can be a very, very powerful thing to be able to discern. Mm. And Linking to what you said about, you know, you had this idea where you were wanting to grow your business, expand your business. These are all these things that you have because of the metrics of success that you have at that, that you had at that time. And one of the things that's come up in this book as well is that when we are able to fully be grounded and stand in our own truth as who we are, it automatically reshifts and reshuffles the measures of success that we have for ourselves because they're, they're, they make different meanings for us. And so I think that's a useful thing as well. Like, once we are in a place of worthiness, of grounding, of feeling stable within ourselves, like the measures of success start to shift too. And so I think that's also just a useful inquiry. What you're talking about 
in terms of the fear keeping us safe and from a goals perspective, this is often what I what I teach when I when I teach headstand. And I say to people that fear is a good thing because it keeps you if you imagine like you're a little person and you've got this bubble around you and the bubble is your space of safety. And when you are approaching something where it could be like, actually, you don't want to break your neck and you don't want to fall on your head and you want to have a, a safe and controlled way of getting into a headstand. That's very valid. That fear is there for a purpose. But you also want to be able to continue blowing out that bubble so that the bubble is expanding around you. That, that level of safety is getting bigger and bigger. Your comfort zone is getting bigger and bigger. Your tolerance for that uncomfortableness, for that fear is getting wider and wider, but you're still maintaining your physical safety, your emotional safety. And that's where, where this idea of, you know, if you are sharing shame or things like that, it needs to be within the right groups. Like you have to maintain those boundaries for yourself, but you can also expand those boundaries. And that is essentially what expanding your sense of self and your sense of worth is, is when you can keep pushing that out and still feel like you are safe in the middle of it. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned physical safety because we often think of physical safety, like, as you say, don't break your neck and headstand, you know, that's, you know, don't get into a car with a drunk driver, like, the, you know, that kind of like life or death, physical injury kind of safety. But I'm also thinking about physical safety from a health perspective. Um, I was speaking with a client this morning who's got a lot of hormonal imbalances going on, which has a huge impact on her energy and her mood and various things like that. And she said she feels like she's been like stuck for so long and she's like, she's trying to go for her goals, but then she like keeps crashing and burning, keeps crashing and burning. I'm like, yeah. So like the reason why is that like change takes energy and expanding your bubble takes energy. And we need to make sure the body is physically well, that the, the body's physical processes are working well biochemically so that there is energy to facilitate change. Because if there's not enough energy in the body, the body's going to perceive that as a threat. And so sometimes if you are working towards, I guess, more like tangible goals in life, whatever you may want to, um, however that relates to you, is it's also thinking about that physical care. And is my body physically cared for, physically nourished, physically looked after, so that, that it can then expand and it has the capacity energetically to hold what I'm asking from it in other areas of my life? Mm -hmm. Love that. I kind of never knew where this conversation was going to go today. I've just been thinking about fear a lot, like because I've been meditating on it for an hour a day, but it's just been, I guess I can totally see, like people always say to me, but Anna, you're so healthy. Why did you get unwell? People ask me that all the time. And and I really do believe that this like fear activation of the nervous system is a big part of it. Because if I think about how I live my life, I was drinking strong coffee, <laughs> doing hard exercise, working hard. But in, and I was thinking like, to a certain extent, I was afraid of my clients because I was afraid that I would be found out that I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't do a good enough job. And then obviously the financial like fears that come from running your own business, will there be enough? Will there be enough money? 
which there's always been enough. I've been doing this now for years, but there's always that. And I think Lulu, who you've interviewed on the show now a couple of times, as she talks about what are the tigers you're running away from in your life or what are the lions you're running away from in your life? And I think when you, when you stack it like that, I'm like, yeah, I was running away from lions like 24 (laughs) seven, like all the time. So it's like learning to change some of that programming now. Like I'm, I'm no longer afraid of my clients, maybe some (laughs) more than others, but, but you know what I mean? Just learn that, that self-worth piece. I think the more worthy we feel in ourselves, the less we're afraid of your clients, if you're me or, you know, other things in our lives. And then just really swinging that balance so that my nervous system can feel more calm and safe and connected and present. And I think I've said to you a few times, like, I think this whole healing adventure that you've been on is very much largely connected to an energetic thing. It's like actually not as much to do with the physical as it is to do with the emotional, the mental, the energetic holding, because I don't think that's separate from the body. Um, And so I think this is like, yeah, it's like this huge big piece of, and this relates to the fear as well. And, 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 all those things that we hold in our heads, in our hearts, in our emotions that have this place that they're, they're living in the bodies in some way and how that manifests through physical conditions or physical things that I think nobody has the understanding of how these actually are so intricately tied together. And so, yeah, it's just an interesting thing when we can release these things within our mental space or within our emotional space, how it can free up other things in our lives. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I've said a few times, it's like, I feel like you're kind of constantly going, I want to say going around in circles, but not in in a way that's like I'm going around in circles and getting nowhere, but just like circling or looping back around, maybe spiraling upwards in like you have to look at the physical piece because I think the energetics have an impact on your stress system. And when the body is under stress, it will have a biochemical impact. So you have to look at the physical and you're like, okay, physical's ticking over nicely. What is the next emotional thing I need to look at? Okay. What is the next energetic thing I need to look at? And you kind of just like working through these layers. And I feel like intuitively, at least for me, intuitively, I just move in between things, you know, as, as I feel that I need it. I don't believe you can just do one thing. If anybody's just done one thing and got well, let me know. I'd love to know about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think they're all, they're all absolutely connected. And it's it's like, yeah, we, we are whole complete beings. And I think that's, that's the thing that's difficult for people to understand is that we're more than just the body. We're more than just the emotions. We're more than just the mind. Like we all these facets of all things together, we're human and divine. And I think like the more we take ownership and understanding of that, the more we come to a place of wholeness, which is where we f- find our sense of worth. Yeah. And I think it's like the traditional medical system will have you believe, just take this pill and everybody's looking for the magical bullets. But I think that, Doing this work is hard and also incredibly rewarding at the same time, but not everybody is prepared to go there. And I guess people make choices based on who who they are and what they need at the time. But I, I think there isn't a magic bullet and there there isn't just a pill that you can take that doesn't come with side effects. And so it's, I guess, just being open, open to your own self-exploration. Mm, absolutely. Anything else you had to share or to add? 
No, I think that that's enough for today. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Yeah, maybe just take a little bit of time to think about what are the what are the lions or the tigers that you're running away from in your life. And I think just sometimes the biggest thing is just acknowledging. Oh yeah, they're there. Now what? What am I going to do about this? That's always a good place to start. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. I'll see you next Bye. time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.